Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And on today's episode, we are going to be getting some answers on when we might be wanting to use NGRX in our Angular applications and some tips on how to improve uh, user experience if we use that as well. Uh, we actually have a guest that's uh, uh, part of the NGRX team. So that'll be pretty cool. But before we get into that, I, I want to tell everybody about an upcoming conference that's coming in. Um, NGDE, uh, that's Delta Echo, if I've got my call signs right. Uh, it's the Angular Conference in Berlin. Uh, this conference is pretty cool. It's a nonprofit conference. So every penny that they earn is spent on sponsoring local meetups in Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. As well, stuff like travel and food and stuff like that. Uh, it looks like they're going to have about 30 uh, speakers and trainers. It's a two-day conference. Uh, there's a workshop the day before as well, uh, or a couple workshops the day before. There's a workshop day right before, right? Uh, tickets are available. It's August 30th and 31st of this year, uh, so it's right around the corner. Check that out. I believe we have a discount code for it as well, so I'll throw the link to that in the description for this episode uh, after we're done. So people can click on that and check that out. Uh, but yes, definitely give that a, a check. I believe the URL is ng-de.org, ORG. Again, I'll plug that in the description as well. So check that conference out. Um, should we Shout out to Chaos Monster in Berlin. Yeah, yeah. All, all of our friends over there for sure. And Dominic Elm too, I think is near brother. Uh, Dominic is gonna be, I think, hopefully there. Isn't he coming on here soon? Yeah, he's going to be on an episode here coming up. Uh, so that'll be cool. Yeah, I think uh, Dominic, uh, Manfred, uh, David. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are uh, doing the workshops as well there. So yes. it'd be pretty cool. Definitely check that conference out. So we want to give a shout out to there. And again, we'll have some links in the description so uh, you can get some discount code and, and find out more about that conference for sure. For sure. All right, let's uh, get into it. Let's say hi to our panelists, then we'll say hi to our guest, and we'll get things rolling. Joining us today, so happy to have Alyssa Nichol back with us. Alyssa, how's it going? I'm so glad to be back and so excited for today's guest. Woo! Awesome, awesome. We missed you. The world missed you. The internet's missed you. All of our viewers missed you, I'm sure. So we're happy to have you back. Mike, Rocky, what's going on, Mike? Not too much, just hanging out. Um, I'm glad you called me by my original name and not my uh, conference <laughs> name. Your future conference name? My future conference name. Yeah. What's yeah, the, yeah. wait, 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 what's the future conference name? I missed this. Oh, uh, Justin and I are having a little fun with our talk, so. Oh, you got for your Denver talk? Tell and us what's I am you... Mike Brockenberger. <laughs> it's happening. It's kind of like if we went into this, like, Adam Collider and got mixed up and had part me and part Brocky. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm loving <laughs> it. Bonnie, what's going on, Bonnie? I'm I'm really excited. I I mean, I'm always excited for this show. I love this show. But Alyssa's back and she's glowing and she looks so beautiful and we missed Alyssa so much. And also, um, I'm very excited about this guest. And I'm I always say that, but this one is um. So Samantha actually told me about him. Uh, and she was very excited about him because she said he's a lot of fun. He's like, he's like fun, like on a like Mike Brocky level fun. Right. And I was trying to figure out how to say his name because it's complicated. Um, and she, and she said, the trick is right. It's, it's Alex, a crush but there's a crush right in the middle of it. So every time Samantha says it, she says it really loud, Alex, the crush and she gets so excited. And I don't know why, but it's fun. So I told her that he was going to be on the show today. And you know what she said to me? Alex Akrushko! <laughs> so I, I would really like to introduce Alex Akrushko. Woo! And yeah, he's everybody. really a lot of fun. So that's why I get away with um, picking on him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, usually my name is not that exciting, but I guess once Samantha puts it, puts it that way, it's. Uh... It's a crash code. <laughs> I can't hear it any other way. Like it's and, and and she always she always it's always loud, Alex. Like it's always so she's always so excited. Yeah, because you're a lot of fun, really. Don't let it go to your head. Awesome. All right. Well, Alex, do you want to tell our viewers a little bit about yourself for those that might not know who you are? Yeah. So hey, um, as Bonnie already introduced, um, Alex Akrushko, um I'm, I'm currently a software engineer uh, at Google. Um, 
for the last three years, I've been working on uh, Firebase team on the console itself. So I'm very deep into the Angular world or AngularJS to Angular migrations as well. Uh, that was core to our, uh, you know, progress that we've been doing over the last three years. Um, and um, I was recently announced at NGConf this year uh, to officially join the Indirex team, uh, which I was super excited about. Uh, I was, um, I'm maintaining Indirex um, uh, library within Google itself. Uh, and what it means is uh, you might, you might've heard that Google uses like the monorepo kind of uh, design of that, but that also means that all the like the third party stuff uh, is synced into the monorepo. We don't deal with NPM. Uh, that means that somebody has to sync that code. And that means that all the projects of Google uh, that use Indirect, uh, for example, it's over 180 projects right now. Uh, like I have to make sure that they're you know, broken because they use all that code as well. Uh, and I'm also, um, I'd say, an active member uh, of the uh, Angular In-Depth as well. Uh, I'm the uh, author of a, few, a number of articles, but I also help uh, review some of the uh, other articles in our Slack uh, community of authors who write there and contribute there or who want to contribute, so provide some help uh, in, in that sense. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's about me, I guess. <laughs> That, that is a full plate. Do you ever have time to like sleep or <laughs> anything else or what? Um, no, because yeah, he, I, he still has to do conference talks too, aren't you? So you were just at Vikings. I just saw you. And then now you're going to NGMI? Yes. Like, uh, and, in in and in between, I was at uh, Angular In-Depth Conf in Ukraine as well. Uh, yeah. And, and I actually took part. Uh, so this one I wasn't presenting, but I attended the Smashing Conf in Toronto. Uh, which was really exciting for me as well. It was something outside of the Angular community. It was, it was interesting. So yeah, you're racking up those frequent flyer miles. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little bit busy. Uh, it'll be a little bit uh, less busy further down until probably November. Um, I'll be in, in NG Poland and uh, NG Talks in Ukraine, which I'm extremely excited about. Both of those. Yeah, I am supposed to be at both of those as well. Hopefully, oh, I'll that's see awesome. you there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to fit it all in, but uh, I can't. I, it's getting worse and worse. Like you, you make so many friends at these conferences, and then you get the fear of missing out. And so I want to go to all of them if possible, but it's not possible. Yes, uh, my, my my role um, is um, still in the software engineering, uh, so I actually have to do the work as well, which my manager expects me to. Uh, so it's not only conferences. It just happened that a lot of them fell into the uh, short span of time, and uh, and I deferred late uh, the other two all the way to November. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of doing the work, uh, what are you going to show us? Oh, so um, as, uh, when I when I started working with uh, with Ngerx, um I, I got really excited about it, right? It was, a, it was an amazing technology. It was it was really solving my uh, problem that I like my first assignment in, in Firebase. Uh, this is where I, you know got myself familiar with the technology. Uh, I was I was tasked with um, working on uh, like in console notifications, so like messages, you know, like uh, red dot pulsing when there are new ones. There are some urgent alerts that show up uh, right away. You can dismiss them. You can, you know, play different pages with them. You know, so it, it was a lot of interactions with a lot of things, and and you know, we had like a periodic polling every so often. So you had to merge those events. So there's user events. There are you know server events, and I was thinking, what's the best way to solve it currently? That was like three years ago, uh, and. Uh, this is exactly where you know I learned of this NGRX thing and that was getting some traction outside. Um, and it's at that time I saw that like Rob Walmart was involved with this and he joined Google as well. Like, oh hey, Rob, what, what, what's what's the deal here? <laughs> so this is how I got involved uh, with the project. But ever since you know the project got a lot more popular and more and more and more popular. Uh, to the point again, we were the first project uh, at Google to use it, like Firebase, uh, and and now we have 180 projects 
Angular projects if people are using it. So externally, it's also got very popular, right? But like, with the popularity comes the the other like drawbacks of it of the popularity, right? It's it's uh, it's the hype that it creates. I talked in uh, I'm going to talk actually uh, in, in, uh, in Malaysia as well uh, about it uh, about the um, something that's called like the Gardner hype, hype cycle and it shows the, the graph that goes you know as technology becomes very popular it shoots up way above and then and then there is some uh, dissatisfaction with it because it's not for example for all of the problems to solve and, and people start piling up on this saying well maybe maybe you shouldn't be using it and it's true you shouldn't be using it for all of it right so the popularity starts to go a little bit down there's more of like a uh, not so quite positive sentiment towards the technologies and then it sort of uh, bottoms out and evens out because people see where their actual use cases for it uh, for this for Jirax for state management like library like this and this uh, and this hype cycle, uh, it's not something unique to Ingerx. It it happens uh, with any uh, any technology that you know starts growing in popularity a lot. I, I give examples usually, you know, like NoSQL web uh, NoSQL databases. You know, they're like, oh, this is the the new thing now. It has to be everywhere, or or um, uh, you know, like microservices, like, oh, we just dropped the servers now, we just need microservices and we're all great and good. Forget about the rest, this is a new cool thing. Uh, so with any technology, it, it has those uh, hype cycles. But eventually, you know, people realize where the actual value of those are and start ad adjusting to those use cases. Uh, so, and Jirax is no different in this sense. Um, and that's why I typically talk about, uh, and within Google is the same problem, right? Like people are like, well, do I should I use it? Should I not use it? Uh, frequently in Google, people ask these questions, um, and even more in, in Firebase itself, right? As a team, we have a large team of uh, of developers who work on the front end itself. You know, those questions come up, right? Like, do we need it? Uh, we actually had to reevaluate the technology after a year and a half of using it, right? I was in charge of it, so I collect all the feedback from all the product teams, how they feel about it, where do they feel it helps them, where do they feel um, it slows them down, uh, and and the responses were not you know, all even as well, right? Somebody said, well, for my product feature, I thought that was an overkill. Uh, I probably would have been a lot better with just pure service-based approach. and. Uh, and some teams like, oh, that was this really helped solve our problems where we needed multiple data in, in multiple uh, transformations in different parts of the app where users can interact with this. So in the end, we decided uh, as a team that we would use it where it makes sense uh, with a tendency towards erring on the side of using it versus not using it. Uh, but externally, not all the projects are you know, Firebase console size projects. Uh, which, uh, which you know, uh, also brings their own challenges and their use cases. Uh, so this is what yeah. I typically, yeah. The whole uh, that whole like hype cycle concept, right, where it comes into play. It's really interesting that we find ourselves getting into that, right? And like you mentioned, it's not just NGRX; it's whatever, right? I think a lot of it we go and we say, okay, look, we need to design or build something. So we need a solution. So what are we going to do? We're going to go out there and look for articles and information that kind of helps guide us to that, right? And a lot of times those articles or information may be subjected to that hype, you know, cycle, right? And so now they're plugging something. And, and so it becomes like, we need to think as, as engineers going into a solution, okay, let me evaluate that and take that into consideration as I read this content, right? And then I wonder how much on us on the content creators we should be putting or, or thinking if we're content creators about writing articles when we describe using this to like clarify, you know, and help maybe that conversation about this is the way to do this, but vet it and evaluate it whether it fits your scenario, right? Because those two, two kind of start blurring together. And then we find ourselves, just like you're saying, in this period where we may get frustrated, like this is this is too much, or this sort of thing. We get mad at it, right? And it's because those two things together i think i don't know yes definitely definitely 
and uh, that actually you know um after after things like like the retrospective that we did on this uh, we start to look for for things how we can improve things right and and uh the many of the improvements in the nrx version 8 um came about because uh somebody on the firebase team uh said well why won't we try to optimize the new feature and try to use new features of, of TypeScript where we can, you know, do it with a little bit less code, uh, still the same principles, but just less of code. Uh, and we started looking into it, going over things. Uh, uh, and this is how we sort of discovered uh, Nicholas Jameson library that was written like a year ago. And, uh, and it was like, wow, that's that's actually solves a lot of the problems there, and and the APIs that we were iterating over towards, <laughs> which just was fun. Uh, so yeah, Nicholas said uh, we we had um, he's one of the writers as well uh, at Angular in Depth, uh, so we had a lot of conversations with him about this, uh, and eventually we ended up merging or, or modifying, transforming most of of his uh, TS action library into a new NGRX, that's how you get the new create action uh, things uh, or, or the new create reducer. Um, yeah, so which I feel uh, improve, uh, you know, developer ergonomics by, by a mile. And I got a lot of positive feedback with this. It sometimes could be a little bit strange at first, right? And then you get used to it and you, and, and you really enjoy it. I, I couldn't force myself, you know, it took some time to merge it uh, into Google because there were other uh, breaking changes. So it took me almost a month to merge it in, uh, almost 70 PRs to, to get close to it, plus the big merge itself. Uh, so it was, a, again, major undertaking in my sort of free time, 20% time within Google. Because <laughs> right. uh, again, I have conferences, I have other stuff to do as well, I have my work. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah. That question about like, should we use NGRX, right? It's like, can we get a definitive answer on that? And is some of that leveraged in this concept of, well, what does it take to, to do it? And like the stuff you're mentioning in terms of the, the latest version that helps make that a little bit easier or less code that we need to do to use it. Is, is that a key factor in when we make the decision to do it? Or is there some other kind of one or two key metrics we say, well, look, this is why we would want to use NGRX over maybe rolling our own or something simpler. Like, like how, how would somebody, how could we pose that as an answer to somebody who, who has that question, right? Uh, I can do a, a quick um, present uh, parts of my slides that I recently did at Angular in depth, where I was trying to prepare for this uh, specific question. Let me try to present it uh, and I'll talk through it as well. As, as you're bringing that up, it, it's it's a really interesting question because th the real answer is it depends. <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> I think that at the same time, you can come up with some general rules um, to, to help with the decision-making process. Uh, let me see, just a slide um, Which screen do you see? You see this one, I guess, right? Uh, there it is. There's my mouse. All right. Okay, I'll just do it this way because it'll be a little bit easier because otherwise it takes over all my three screens. <laughs> uh, I'll just quickly go over it. Um, so again, yeah, where to use it or not to use it, right? And and the 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 thing that I, um, when I was preparing this, is uh, is Interax is, is a state management library, right? Uh, do you see my slides? Not right now. Yes, yes, you. Okay. Uh, so it's a, it's a state management library, but what's the state? What are we trying to manage, right? That, that's that's I think this is, has to be the first question that, that you know has to be answered, uh, and that. I always spend a lot of time trying to understand um, or formulate what exactly the state is. Uh, and the best, the closest, uh, and the best, I guess, uh, to what I liked was uh, Victor Sofkin's article from uh, a year ago. So where he broke down what, what exactly the states are. 
the service state, right, the one that is, is on the server, the persistent state, this is when we sort of type in the, the URL, uh, and, and we get the, the, the data, the part, part of the uh, server state. Um, there's also client state. So for example, uh, if we, I don't know, select um, a project here, for example, or, or in a dropdown and we make it part of the URL, it, it's not persisted to the server. It's also server in, in the database. It doesn't know where we see, but it's part of the client state. Uh, there are URL states and URL state is quite important, right? Because this this should be like a source of truth uh, for the entire state. Uh, local UI state, this is nothing persisted, neither uh, neither changed because of the URL, uh, or or like for example, like a drop a state of a drop down, right? Is it open? Is it closed? Uh, application doesn't have any uh, you know general knowledge about it, except for that particular local UI state. Or local component state as well, sometimes called this browser state, which we won't talk right now, and, and transient state as well. Uh, so again, there's this there's a lot of state that we manage, uh, and and the key part where libraries like uh, uh, like NGRX or even you know when you use a server-based approach, uh, they play in trying to synchronize uh, these four states. So the server state. The persistent state that partially represents the server state and the synchronization process between them, right? For example, if we change something in the app, for example, um, uh, we choose something, right? And and we need to persist it to the server. Do we show it right away in the in the UI, or do we wait until we send it to the server and get a response back and only then show it, right? So this is the whole synchronization process between. And again, URL sort of drives this, uh, but sometimes when we act in the app, we push to the URL our new states as well, right, through the router and the client state. So those four, uh, the synchronization between those four is is the main problem, right? Uh, we can we can completely get rid of all of the state and and have stateless services, uh, and that's and that means that you know. Any action that we do on the uh, on the app, um, we'll wait for uh, for server to respond, you know, and we we'll wait for it. We don't cache anything. Uh, so, but this so would be a, in that solution, would that even work offline? Uh, it won't work offline, uh, but it would be even with online solution. This would be very junky experience for the user. This is this is uh, what the first you know when when the edgex got around. Uh, so we didn't have to, you know, reload the page every time, but we can do asynchronous actions. This is what the experience was, uh, right? There's no optimistic. There's no, no, you know, cache data, nothing like that. Uh, so we can go that, and then we definitely don't need any state management solutions, and uh, no synchronization bugs will be very easy to work with. But again, the, the user experience would be uh, poor at best. And then, the, and then, then there's another uh, solution is uh, is a stateful services, right? The ones that have cache, uh, the one, uh, the ones that you know uh, share that data from from uh, one page to another. For example, we have like you know a list of products. We click on this, we show some details of another product already. Uh, so it, it becomes a lot friendlier uh, UI experience. Uh, and this is great. And this is, for example, what uh, Firebase Console was three years ago when we were on the Angular JS only, right? But in my experience, in the in the in the large apps, that leads to something uh, like that. Component talks to service. That service talks to other service. Uh, it states uh, that that cache, you know, source of truth starts to spread out among services. Different services use different services, and uh, and it spreads to multi multi layers. Um, I'm not proud of it, but for example, we had one like seven layer deep services, uh, and funny enough, there was one service that was injected in every single layer of those. Um, how does that this, How does that work? Like, so you're saying seven layers deep, like yes, like seven, so service like that uses yeah the component that uses that had um, a number of services injected. 
one of those services has another a number of services injected another one of those services had another and then you can go seven layers deep into <laughs> it and, and and it's not and it's not that something you know uh, maliciously or on purpose does the bad design uh, things grow organically right uh, for example firebase console was and keeps developing over years with the a, a big number of under, uh, engineers. Is it, was it like a performance thing that what made you realize, like to look at the tree of like how deep did it go, or did you just realize one day, like you looked up and you're like, this thing is seven layers deep. I think we should you blame know. it on David East. <laughs> he is the saint. Oh. Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have to blame it on yeah. him. I think he did this to torture us. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, don't blame him, David. This is a, is an awesome guy. I'm just kidding. We love you, David. Uh, yeah. So uh, David actually was working on Angular Fire, I think, at some point. Yeah. Uh, and and then a little bit on the console, he was on uh, software engineer rotation for half a year, where he had to experience everything. You know, we we wrote. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is something that I would typically call, you know, a service soup. And, and and again, this is just the organic growth um, of the app. You know, I need to add this functionality somewhere. Well, this service is already injected in that service. Well, I'll just throw another method on that service. So um, it, it become it becomes very hard, right, to to work with this. Uh, so this is the the examples where um, solutions like uh, NGRX start to work because how they organize things. Uh, and, and again, one of the things that we have stateful services is we would have a behavior subject underneath and you know work with that. Uh, but And a bag of California finest. I wonder yes. what oh, yeah, that's, that's I know, true. is it like a bag of carrots or something? <laughs> yes, definitely, yes. Well, it's Rob we're talking about. <laughs> yes, so, so, and, and not this carrots? is what I wanted to highlight. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is what I wanted to highlight, that the first version of NGRX was actually written within one weekend, right? It was like 70 lines of code. It was basically a behavior subject that was almost like, you know, you would write a proper state stateful services today. This tweet explains so much. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, for the people who cannot see it, it's, uh, it's the uh, Rob Walmer's tweet when he, where he uh, explained how the first version of NGRX got created. Uh, after Dan Abramov's uh, Build a Redux video course. But like you're saying, like the, the point there that's great about it is like, okay, this starts the solution for state management, right? That's right. And it shows, it's a good example that shows that it, it can start simple and then it can grow, right? It can grow. It can grow for uh, more and more of the use cases. Uh, well, what I want to say uh, definitely is that um, if, if your component doesn't have many services it depends on if if your source of truth for that particular set of components you know doesn't spread to many services you know with cash uh, say i don't know you could be three five or and it's manageable uh and you're fine with that you're more comfortable with that uh so don't use injurex for that use use your stateful services or some of them could be stateless right so it's completely fine to use it. It's it's when it starts to grow beyond that, or you expect it to grow beyond that. You know what your application might look like, right? Uh, you know what the scope could be. Uh, so, so definitely think start using injects where you actually need it. Uh, and, and one thing I want to clarify is that this whole conversation about whether or not you need NGRX isn't just applicable to NGRX, right? It's applicable to any dependency that you're pulling in. Before you pull in any dependency, you should evaluate what, what is it saving me? What is it bringing to my application, to my project that I may or may not be getting from just rolling my own or doing it my own? Is it, an, is it enough of a savings of time and effort and complexity to pull in an additional dependency, not just uh, specifically with NGRX, but with any dependency you're pulling in? A hundred percent agree. You can say better. <laughs> and even even within your application, if you have NGRX that you use in certain places, if you have a set of components that would be talking to a set of services to specific endpoints that don't need to, you know, uh, involve 
uh, entire state management with it, it's fine to use services there. It's it's completely fine, right? And so it's not it's not always NGRX or nothing. Uh, they can coexist together. Uh, and um, NGRX sparingly. Yes, exactly. I always say it's supposed to be like a sports car, not a pickup truck. Uh, yes, it could be. Well, yes, it could be many things, right? Uh, yes. Uh, but one of the other frequent questions um, that I get is um, within Google internal users that are using like, how can we, you know, how can I touch my NGRX to the forms, right? And my typical reaction to that is, why would you need it, right? Like, do you really need it? Uh, do you, when you do the input in the, within the form, uh, what are you trying to do? Are, are you trying to send it right away request and uh, does the rest of the application need to know about it? Most likely, no. Uh, so this is such an important you, topic. This is like, I really, I, I, this is so important because I see this so much where people get excited that like, NGRX, all the cool kids are using it, right? And it's and it's like so popular and people want to use it, but then they get carried away and start doing everything. Every interaction with the user creates an NGRX action. And that's really, I think, part of the problem where we get all this boilerplate because if you're doing CRUD, if you're updating the server, then yeah, you know, fire an action, but every mouse click should not. Yeah. Well, and it's what For example, too, right? Like, what are we putting in? And I think it with the forms and stuff like that, it's thinking about, does that need to be in the state? Because like you're saying, like, does it need to be shared? How does it need to be used across the app in other components, right? Where you can't flow it through an input or output, right? So you use the state to get it there. But is that something that needs to get it there that way, like direct input through those form components? Or is it something that you say, here, I've collected all the data in this component, I send it off, and then it does it, right? That's exactly right. And for example, uh, I, I mentioned the local uh, component state. Form control is a perfect holder for local control state. This is this is what your form inputs are stored in, and and it's a perfect thing for it. Uh, so maybe you know once you're done with form and you send to create the form, send it, and then it would need it would be needed uh, with throughout the rest of the application. Then it's okay to send the action, right? But even in you know talking to services uh, within you know you need uh, for example do async request validation requests, right, to your backend uh, from the form, right, like some kind of field validation. And again, you need a service, but it's completely fine to bypass any indirects. You just do the service, get the response back, you know, async validation to your form and, 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 and you're good there. I think that's um, a so really good point because I think that that's a spot where there becomes confusion, right? And, and it's quick to get stuff into your state that you maybe not want, right? And the validation is exactly, example right we've got a form that we've got form controls and we're collecting that information and we want to validate it right and then we want to show an error if it's not valid well that's like local component state to do all those yeah. decisions like you said and this just calls service inside of there we don't necessarily need to say like the form is loading and the form is invalid into our global state to yeah. handle that. that component state can probably handle all that and then when that's all validated then we maybe want to share that with the global state if it's needed to display somewhere else, right? Yeah. And I think that that's, people start thinking, oh, I've got NGRX, I've got these actions. I quickly go, lead, you know, lead myself to, well, I'll stuck, stick a is loading. I'll stick a has form error into my global state. And now you've coupled all that stuff together and it becomes challenging, right? And, and it's like stepping back from that for a minute and thinking about what goes in global state versus local state. That's exactly right. Yeah, NGRX is, again, it should be for managing those four, Four states, right? And local component state is not part of that. So uh, this is how uh, I view it. This is how I recommend it. And and don't get me wrong. I was, you know, when I started using the framework, I was also like interact all the things, right? So uh, it, it definitely you get excited, right? It works. It works for so many things. Uh, but it takes, um, I guess, practice and learning by example or running into some issues and general group discussions it's it's very nice where where you know the team that you work with uh, also has the feedback and and the opinions this is and when they are discussed in a friendly uh, argumentative manner uh, it, it's it's the best kind of discussions i love those because uh, then you come 
both sides learn in that. And the other one was, um, you know, shared components. Should we use indirects and shared components? Well, the answer is they're most likely no again, right? Those should be, you know, use uh, communicating with the outside. You should be even using services inside them. There are obviously, there's always a but, uh, but um, in most cases, uh, in 95% of the cases, no, right? They should be communicating with inputs and outputs to their um, co uh, container components. So there are a number of cases where I can definitely say, or, you know, say, no, don't use indirects there. And some cases where I would say, well, maybe, maybe you should, uh, so, such as uh, many services talking to each other or, you know, as, uh, things that happen at the same time, it could happen multiple things happening at the same time. For example, user actions and, and periodic polls, right? So they, they act on the same type of data you want it to, to have a predictable state after those uh, things occur. Yeah, so th those are those are my uh, guidance generally. There are other things like you know complex UI interactions. Uh, sometimes that's it doesn't feel like it would belong to the um, to interacts. It would be you know you'd better in theory behavior subject and a lot of RX streams would work better if it's a complex interaction, but it's still like some sort of localized UI. But that that spreads across maybe you know three four components deep. Um, you think that the behavior subject would be better, uh, but sometimes it's more complex to work with the RxJS stream than uh, from with simple selectors. Uh, again, use it in your own judgment. So, but I'm just saying that there are situations like this. Um, yeah, concurrent data modification. I already mentioned this of frequently changing state. Uh, so the Indrex has the normalization. Uh, so it, it can benefit there, even though things might not particularly feel like they belong into the global state. So there are some of the wounds that um, that they can provide. Uh, some prefer consistency as well. So sometimes mixing two, um, you know, stateless approach and indirects when you have a mostly indirects. Some people prefer consistency and would error into one or the other. You know, they would really, you know, uh, it has to be a really complicated problem before they bring in because the rest of the application is is with stateful services or vice versa. You know, a lot of indirects they easily put in there just because for the team familiarity, they can move forward easier that way. Uh, those are, I don't know, again, team trade-offs, which has to be decided on the team level. But um, so. I have put put on the like if you do decide like I want to keep this standard way like they say you're using NGRX and you're going okay well I really don't want to throw other services behavior subject services in there I kind of would like to keep the moniker of using NGRX one of the things I like to focus on or, or lean towards is thinking about sharding my state right into different pieces different segments so I can say maybe there's data that I query from the back end that's you know look up accounts or look up orders or something and I have that in a, a part of my state that is defined as maybe data right and then there's maybe UI like is this drop down open or not and I segment that in my state as that so it's it's my state doesn't become this mashup of you know back end data versus this and, and I can kind of reason around that and then only update the segments of that state that need it because one of the things i think people get into is you start selecting from the store right and that store will stream out anytime there's a change right and so if you have a selector that contains multiple bits any one of those bits might change and might cause your uh, application to react even though you might not need to do it because of that segment um so to have more control over that and work those scenarios i think like, like that's something that i kind of lean into Selectors are great for for actually preventing those updates. If because you narrow it down and it will change up to a certain point, as it or further down, it didn't change, it didn't affect me. So then components uh, won't re-trigger the change detection for for that. Uh, so and they actually, I had a talk. It's one of my first talks actually uh, at NG Talks uh, last year uh, where I highlighted all the benefits of the selectors. Uh, and this was one of them. Uh, somebody's asking, what, what, what's your opinion on effects, right? Uh, and should those be used, right? Maybe, 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 and 
I've seen that as well, right? So, well, I get the indirects and the state pension, but FX, I don't feel like they need it, right? Like sometimes people say that. Uh, the FX weren't part of the indirects to begin with, right? But then they were added because they were addressing some problems. Uh, and one of the problems that I feel they address really well is uh, how, what do you do uh, with your asynchronous action that you started, for example, service call, when another action of this type uh, comes in? Say somebody double click the button, right? Do we send, you know, if it's just a pure service-based approach, it's very easy to do service call something and that would actually trigger multiple HTTP requests to the server. And then your server has to be, you know, kind of independent and, and, and react nicely or ignore the second one if it's the same one. But are you putting that, um, that load onto the server or, or uh, on design of that server or how, how, how you think it would work? Uh, it's a lot better to handle it yourself, right? So for example, this is where all those flattening strategies shine uh, with concat map, right? Where you would do one after another or exhaust map, for example. If you're if you started already working with the server, did the request, uh, any any next action you would just ignore until it's busy uh, getting a response back. So um, or merge map where you parallel those. If those are by IDs, it's fine to do you know multiple requests at the same time. So uh, the indirect the, the uh, effects really help control the flow of the incoming actions. Uh, and I think this, this is where they shine. They have a lot more use cases. Um, for example, it's possible to do this again. It's all possible to do this with the, state, uh, the stateful services. It, for now, it involves a lot more code to, to do that. Um, you'd have to manage subscriptions yourselves and all that um, there are some plans within Direct's team how to make it easier to have like a local state management uh, as well. Uh, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> that, that that might be uh, half a year, two year uh, into uh, the plans. But um, yeah, so there's that. <laughs> nice, nice, very cool. What um so our second part of it that we want to talk touch a little bit on is like uh, thinking about how we can improve UX by using NGRX. Do you have some examples that you can talk about of like how we would use Yes, uh, Yes, I can definitely talk about the, um, maybe, so there are, so one of the things that um, personally is not my favorite thing is a spinner, right? Uh, I, I, when I see it, I, I, I feel like <laughs> I've never, never heard that before, so I love it. I love it. Uh, yes, I feel like uh, why, why, why are we making uh, users uh, wait? Uh, so if I can avoid it, I try to. Um, and and usually what yeah what, what, what well with the spinner right we turn on on before send request you get a response back we you know we, we remove the spinner, but. Uh, there are multiple techniques that we can, you know, take advantage of uh, and and show either less of it or not show at all. Um, for example, I talk about. Uh, let me present this. Uh, do, 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 do. Here is my screen. Here. And I'll try not to present. So you won't see all my cool animations, which is unfortunate. Um, let me try to present it actually. Uh, let me see. Um, do, do, do. you see my slides here or, or you see presenters notes? Um, can you make, try to make them progress? I see presenters notes, but it's just black. Uh, yeah, okay. so. Yes. Well, let me then present a different screen. Sorry. I think I figured it out now. Uh, and let me present my other screen, this one. So many screens. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, so let me present this right now. Here. You see a dog? See the yes. dog? Yes. There you go. <laughs> so so the, the optimistic uh, thing you know, we all work with 
uh, interacted. For example, this is the uh, Mike Ryan uh, um, uh, talk. So when, when we like things on Twitter, when we click the like button or Facebook anywhere, you see it turn red immediately on the click, right? So, um, and it's not waiting for a server response to come back and, and approve it. Uh, it, it. What we do get with the server response here is a number that changed right now. So first I, I disabled the, so here's I disabled uh, the, all the network communication and the app just reacts to it right away immediately. It recognizes that there's a, a, a network error and uh, rolls back to the, you know, to the previous state immediately as well. Uh, but the optimistic sort of reacts immediately, uh, optimistic UI. And, and I, I typically, uh, I do have um, like my two-day workshops that I do every so often. Uh, here's actually a plug. I do next one in Toronto in August 22, 22nd, 23rd, like a two-day interacts workshop where I go from basics to all the advanced topics. But um, uh, here, here's, you see uh, on the left and the right, uh, when we add things to the cart, right? If we, do we wait for a response from the server to confirm that we added, or do we increase that number right away? So this is one of the optimistic approaches. And if the error happens, we can show a toast with the error and you know, roll back that one number, decrease it. Uh, and uh, there, there are actually quite a few gotchas with this, all right? Like the APIs have to have like low failure uh, rate. Uh, it doesn't have to be a critical path. Uh, for example, adding card items fine, but not completing the purchase, right? Uh, that would be weird. And then response has to be also within two seconds. Um, this is already going further into the psychology. Uh, uh, this is how uh, this is the max of the um, user attention span. So if you if you revert back to the previous state after two seconds, uh, it would be also a jarring experience. And um, I, I, the, the way the way it's done, it's quite interesting. Um, this optimistic UI approach, uh, the the way you have the your effect, uh, you usually you know you have this trigger action, right? For example, add item that triggers this this whole effect, and then on success, you usually put it right in, into the store into the state, and there's an error usually handled somehow. Uh, so this is the typical way to make it optimistic. Uh, we uh, we add the item to the store with the first action, the one that triggers it, the add item one, right? And what we do is on success, we do nothing because it's already part of the state. And on the error, we pass usually the item ID so we can roll back the state to the previous uh, one that we had. So, and and that's, that's almost, all to it, right? A small change in the effect. Um, yeah, my animations are going through things. And then, the, and then the reducer itself, right? So we add item immediately on the first trigger action and on there we'll just remove it from it. So this, is, this was uh, uh, one of the tricks, uh, I guess. The second one was um, to use um, local storage as well. Uh, so for example, you can put some of the uh, data cached to the local storage. So when the next time you open up your app, when the next time the user opens up your app, uh, you can pull some of the data from local storage. You can even put the timestamp as well. So for example, if it's too old, uh, you don't pull it. Um, uh, and, and then it's also fine, right? But when you, when you can use this, you can show a, a, a a cached version of it for a brief second while you have a, a new API going for the fresh data. But the user won't see the, the, the spinner. They will see maybe cached version of it. And they'll see, again, not the spinner, but I, I prefer uh, a determined progress bar You know, going around saying that things might still change. And uh, But you know, you're really showing something to, to the user. Um, yeah, that's, that's another thing cart example that you show is it it shows how to do this ux experience right but the cart is a great example of like when you'd want to use application state right because like in that example you have the this header up at the top that shows the total number of cart items 
right? And that may be a component that's way up the component tree from where your actual item line item component is that shows add to cart. So how do you say I click add to cart and have that other thing part of your app update, right? And that's when this global state allows you to flow that through and have it react, right? Um, that's right. And then you tie that in with NGRX and the effects and the service call to kind of get everything out. Like yeah, it's actually a great point you bring out because um, um, when, when I first decided to create this uh, workshop, uh, I, I wanted to show the how can NGRX be used. And I see a lot of, you know, a typical example is a to-do uh, application. But I feel like to-do application has a lot of local state and it doesn't feel into, you know, this is where you need it. Uh, so I was looking for example of the app that would be as simple as possible so I can get all the concepts across. Still familiar to most of the people, you know, people use Amazon and online shopping. So shopping cart, it's all, you know, list of products, it's, it's familiar items. And that one has three pages actually. Uh, first is the, the, the list of products. Second is when you click on one of the products, it's with the details. And third is the card view itself. When you add things, you can remove them. So I feel like this was the, in my opinion, the best example to show where NGRX can be actually used, uh, where it shines and, and how to use many, many of the techniques. Uh, yeah. One other technique was interesting. Um, for example, uh, when you, when you open the list, when you you know you get on the homepage, you get a list of products, but you typically don't fetch, you know, all the product details like description and, and things like that. Uh, however, when you click on the product itself, um, well, you can show the spinner, right, and then get all the description and stuff like that. But on the other hand, you can you can show the minimal information that you already have. You can use store as as partial cache of your data of, of actually has a cache of partial data. For example, you can show already the title, the price, uh, maybe the image, uh, maybe in a low res format and things like that. Uh, and, and then and then once the rest of the data arrives, you would update that data and then you know put a description there as well. So you don't ask there's no API for specifically for the description, for example. You would still get all the product info, but you can merge it nicely with Indirex and you know and I feel it's a, it's a lot better user experience, in my opinion. They're asking questions in the chat, and I know we're running out of time, and Justin's going to stop us in a minute. But just had like, a, how do you deal with like errors, or do you retry if it fails? Like, if if you do the optimistic, yeah, I know. Just <laughs> we're out of time, you guys. These are such good questions, though. They're really good questions. We just need to like pause the day so we can have a few more minutes. Sorry. It's a good um, yeah. question, though. Error handling is uh, it's an interesting topic. I have an, uh, one article in Angular Depth on the error handling. Actually, it's on the entire, um, uh, I call it a call state. How do you put- do you, have a, do you have an article on error handling with the optimistic UI? Uh, with optimistic UI, I have an article on optimistic UIs themselves. It's <laughs> uh, also- Do in you Angular have Depth. an article on error handling combined with optimistic UI? Or if not, will you write one for us, please? I think, I think in the, I think in the optimistic UI, I mentioned how to handle the errors there. I think I do. Uh, okay. If not, I'll, I'll try to add things, I guess. <laughs> or, or, or again, ping me directly on Twitter. My DMs are open. Or uh, there are multiple ways. Or ask questions in the articles. I try to answer them when I have time. And you guys can tweet him. So the name, uh, Alex Akreshko. You cannot yes. forget that. And it's in the Twitter or it's in the YouTube title. Um, so it's, the, it's spelled exactly the same on Twitter. And if you don't see it in his article, remind him. Uh, your public can be very demanding, Alex, because this is a really good uh, <laughs> topic and the questions are really good, but we are out of time. But are, I really are, want to know how you would handle Are that. both those articles on Angular in depth? Uh, I'm hunting yes. for the optimistic UI. Okay, awesome. Thank yes. you. Yes. Uh, uh, all my articles so far are Angular in depth. Um, Big supporter Maybe of it. Alyssa can find it during picks and drop it in the chat. Yeah. Yeah, we'll throw it up on the description. We'll do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're talking about time traveling and dev tools, and I love it. And I think we should have a whole another episode. Spur to discussion. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we're at the top of the hour, so we better wrap up. Um, 
let's uh let's do well is there any last like really quick things to plug on ngrx the very end or should we get to picks we good okay we're good we'll do picks so who has some picks for us today anybody mike does mike i'm calling on you first uh, thanks because i actually need to drop off i have a meeting i need to run to um so alex castillo and a lot of people know who he is um left netflix and went to a form his own company called neurosity um i'll put a link into the uh show notes as well uh for the pick but they just launched and they're launching a looks like a developer kit uh with a new brainwave scanning headpiece as well to be able to uh tap into that that works over wi-fi and bluetooth low energy so very cool. I, I, and, and there's a whole backstory there that we don't have time to get into, but it's really fascinating because I love Alex Castillo. And this company is actually really, really inspirational because he's using tech and he left a really great, exciting job to do something to help people. And, and I think it's, and he's so inspirational. Huh? And to do something he's quite passionate about. He loves what he does. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just great. I believe we have an old episode too with him on there talking about this. So I think can we get him back? I think that I think that's going to happen later soon. For sure, for sure. I miss I, him. Who else has picks? I need to drop off. All right, see you. Yeah. All right, anybody else have picks? Raise your hand. I'll see it and I'll call on you. Or uh, Ng Mai. Ng Mai is coming up, and that's uh, Jesslyn Yeen really um, believed in that and made it happen. And I know she's been working on it for a long time, and it's coming up like next week so that's and the speaker lineup is amazing and they've got the orangutans and i'm just saying alex alex akrushko and also uh connie whoever's there at ng my please if you can bring me an orangutan i will pay you <laughs> i i'm trying to get one for my kids <laughs> no for me alex for me the kids don't even know i need it if you can get two maybe the kids can have one but if you can get one for me Give it to Mike Ryan, but let me know because I don't want him to keep it. I want to make sure it gets to me. Like, just to clarify, you're talking about a monkey, right? It's an orangutan. <laughs> it's a mascot. Really Jesslyn knows exactly what I'm talking about. And so it's I really hope animal, animal, I think, is what they're referring to. Uh, I'm just imagining yeah. now Alex traveling with two monkeys instead of one monkey back yeah. on the plane. So that, yeah. that sounds safe. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I'm really excited. I know we're running. We're we're past time, but I'm I'm very very excited about uh, Angular Denver, which is coming up. The whole entire Angular crew is going to be there in person, and we're going to have so much fun. And Angular, um, and Angular Air crew, I think you said Angular crew. Make sure it's Angular. No, Air. Angular Air. Well, I meant us, not them. We don't care. Yeah. It's us, y'all. <laughs> we're going to be there. But Angular Air is going to be there. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. All right. Any other picks? Yes, I have. Uh, I have. Uh, so one, one of my was NGMI, uh, NG Malaysia, NGMY, uh, which is actually Saturday, Sunday coming up right now. And I'm flying tomorrow morning, first thing in the morning. So it's very soon. Uh, but the other one, uh, I wanted to call out one of the uh, NGRX uh, uh, members. Uh, so he sometimes stays a little bit under the radar. Uh, team uh, Shriver. Tim, he uh, he's uh, Tim underscore this driver. I can actually uh, send his uh, uh, Twitter there. So he does a phenomenal job with Indirect Steam. He does a lot of day-to-day -day stuff. He does a lot of bug triaging. He does a lot of Gitter communications. He writes a lot. He contributes a lot. Indirect will definitely not be there without him. So uh, and he he's not a very frequent uh, conference. Uh, uh, he doesn't show up too much in the conference. Why? Why? Uh, he's because I see him on Twitter all the time, and all my friends love that guy, and I never see him. Why? He is amazing. I love that guy. So he's, he, he's, Tim, uh, he, Tim, I yes. know you're watching because I see you in he, the chat. You need to show your face. We want to see you. Come and hang out with us. Yeah, so uh, definitely follow him on Twitter. He uh, outputs great content. Yeah, so uh, yeah. This is the shout out for him because I feel he he was is uh, under I don't know stays under radar a little bit sometimes. So can can you get him? Uh, can you get him like next time you come on the show, bring him or get him <laughs> to come to a conference? Because I keep hearing this name and I keep seeing this guy on Twitter, but I have not. I need we'll a see. Yeah. 
Yes, uh, it would. It would have to be his. Uh, his. Uh, tell him we said, "Don't be shy, Tim." You know, yeah. uh, I'll just tell him, Tim, don't be shy. We're very there friendly. Yeah. So there it is. Uh, <laughs> all right. I hope well, I will pronounce the last name correctly because <laughs> we know who Tim is. Tim. Yeah. All right. Well, since we're on the uh, subject of thank yous. Alex, thank you so much for uh, taking your time and sharing and doing this episode. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. That's a wrap. We'll catch you next time. See you. Bye.